we started? Is yeah, this we, it? We, we, this is not reasonable yet, ignorance? Not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. We got you. Yes, sir. Now. This is the ignorant shit you like. I am King Fool. This is the ignorant shit you like. I'm not This is the ignorant shit you like. Come on. This is the ignorant shit you like. You know the movie has when a motherfucker got a nine chasing a chicken. Bombs! Reasonable Ignorance Podcast. Somebody's hand clap ready already. All right. Very eager for the hand claps. Hand claps. <laughs> One more time. Hand claps. Bombs. All right. See how we do that, Keith Stones? See how we do that? We got it. We got it few guests in here tonight and we got a, a welcome back sound guy mike yes welcome back engineering field yeah With that's my name you got his hair like derrick rose no derrick rose don't have a kind of hairstyle now i promise to god he does Derrick Rose now. got braids I, now. I, I, I haven't seen it. Are you serious? No, I'm asking. Like, yeah. he has braids yeah, now? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pull it up. Keep it, keep it going. I'm going to pull it up. No, 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 no. I'm going to pull it up. <laughs> no, he does not have braids. Hey, man, I'm telling you. Oh, man. Derrick Martell Rose has braids now. Like, for real. Oh, wow. It's got to be the saddest sight. Um... Let me see that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. If you're listening, go to D. Roseville on Instagram. <laughs> it's a picture with him standing with Lisa Leslie. Oh, no. And this is the same way he saw him. He looks just like you there. Yeah. <laughs> think of, think what, of What is going on? Is the 70s coming back? The 70s coming back? She wants to see it. And then we don't give it to him. All right. I don't know, man. Wait a minute, that look like... It's a new feel for the kids, I guess. What? In the... <laughs> they just washed my hair, Miss Seeley Bray, and yeah, exactly. shit is this. Yeah, that shit, like, that shit look like Larry Hoover from the 70s. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is awful. Go in the corner and violate yourself. That look like Chief Molly <laughs> in the, uh, uh, locked up right. from the 70s, 80s. You happy? Uh, I, I balanced it out. I balanced it out. This may be our last podcast. <laughs> I, that every, is awful. Everybody since Kendrick Lamar came out. <laughs> everybody since Kendrick Lamar came out with that hairstyle. Now everybody's rocking the same hairstyle now. Yeah. Brandon Ingram rocking that hairstyle. Now this kid is rocking it now. Too Maybe he'll have a better season when he come back with that ugly ass hair. Uh, I had somebody that would uh, <laughs> greatly detest that tonight. And his name is Mr. Keith Stallings, the big bro. He's in the building tonight. Shout out to Keith I mean, Stallings. He's not going to do too much talking. But Keith made a, a valid point. What's he the said point if, he made? If Derek cuts his hair, get it even all over again, and puts on number one, then he'll know he's serious. Because this is LeBron's number one fan right here. Not Gloria James. Uh-huh. I'm talking about Keith Stallings. Shout out to uh, uh, Keith Stallings, Dunbar alumni. One of the only guys in the world that can say that he beat Marcus Liberty two times in his senior year while Marcus Liberty was all that in basketball. Hand claps. Dunbar High School. Dunbar Vocation. Mr. Stalin himself. 
All right. And we have a guest here tonight that's uh, a paralegal for the uh, penitentiary system. Uh, uh, he, he does so much. I don't, Ken. We're going to call him Ken because he gave us his, his first name was Wilder. And the only thing I could think of was uh, Eugene Wilder from uh, Gotta Get You Home Tonight. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, this 1980s guy, reference right there. Yeah. 1980s reference. This guy is a paralegal and he has, you try to help prisoners, right? One uh, of the things. And, uh, you know, the, the black man, you try to help the black man, right? I, I help them all, but uh, most of them are black and brown. Yeah, black and brown. Ain't too many white guys. Uh, like the other night, for instance, I seen a white lady who uh, asked me for some change on 79th and King Drive. And in my pissed off mode, which I was, I said, bitch, you should get it from them niggas you been with all day over here buying that dope with. Bombs! I feel not, no pity for you. Um, and you know how they do. How they do. God bless you. No, oh, bitch, shut up. Bombs! <laughs> Fuck you, you white bitch. Bombs! <laughs> Okay, uh, let me preface this now. Um, uh, while, uh, can, can, your can, can your kids yeah. hear this outside? Can your kids hear this outside? Okay. Ken, um, welcome Thanks. to the show. Thank Thanks. you, Pops. Thank you. Magic Mike is a comedian by trade. I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with the podcast or at all. Um, did you send him some shows there, uh, Delcia? No, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. I went and checked y'all out, though. You did? Yeah, I Okay, did. good, good, good. So you understand, you know, yeah. where the comedian aspect is. This is the the, the new Richard Pryor, <laughs> the the new uh, uh, Red Fox. The- Somebody that's failed at everything he's tried in life. <laughs> 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 Me. Pop it. I'd have been through so much shit today. Cutting grass, uh, cutting hair. Trying to get a ride out here, yeah, uh, all yeah, type of yeah. shit. I you see, I still got my, I got my Jason boots on. <laughs> my, through, my last hour and a half trying to get here has been, on, you know, it's been held to. Yeah, trying to make arrangements and everything. Welcome, Delcia, back, Delcia. Hello, Internet. How are you? You were very well received um, last time that you were here. A couple of times that you were here before. That's awesome. You I enjoy a, being here. You have a, a very much of a great fan in, in Kenneth Jinx. Who's the young lady? I love her. Uh, That's what he said. Yeah. Verbatim. Yeah. Hey, Ken. I love you, too. Ken Ken from Champagne. Shout out to Ken of Jinx from Champagne. The young man said he's not watching football until uh, Colin Kaepernick gets picked up. You asked me if... if, if Are you going to watch Tom Brady play this season? I'm teetering right now. I don't know. I mean, I'm so... When this is football season, I'm really enthralled with football... I like fantasy football. I would like to play fantasy football, and I'm this year's. It's I'm in like two or three different money leagues, but in actuality, I re, I really want to boycott, especially after what's been going on these last couple of days with Ray Lewis. What is Ray Lewis saying? That he should shut up, be quiet, and worry, worry about and concentrate on football. Bottom line. That's oh. what he said in, in, a, in a, some kind of video he put out. Oh, yeah. He was on Fox Sports two days in a row. Shannon Sharp took his ass to the task about the things he's saying, about the owner of uh, the Ravens, who, who had a grandstanding uh, um, a grandstanding uh, uh, 
press conference with his sponsors and with uh, uh, you know, with the media about whether to sign Kaepernick or not, trying to check the temperature and the tone and everything like that. If you're going to sign him, sign him. You know, but you got all these other people, all these other players out here who smack their bitch up and everything, like that John Brown, who beat the shit out of his wife, period, up in the Super Bowl, like uh, uh, of last year's or whatever the Super Bowl it was that the Giants was in, or right before the Pro Bowl or something. Yeah, the Pro Bowl. Beat the shit out of his wife, and has been beating the shit out of his wife consistently. And then you got you know all these other guys, your 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 favorite team also. The Cowboys, Ken. Are you are you a Cowboys fan? You know, I, I, the Cowboys is decent, man. But it's um, everything you're talking about with this Kaepernick. But you mentioned Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp is really keeping it real. Thank you. I'm feeling him right now. You are. Yeah. Um, it's honestly it's, it's a travesty that you know we having this black against black in the media right now with Ray Lewis with his uh. Um, his statements and everything, Magic Mike and Ken and Delcia. Um, but I'm teetering. I don't know. I, I really want to boycott. Part of me wants to boycott. Boycott the other part of me is like, I want to watch. I know I want to watch. I want to see Tom Brady. So what you going to do? Sit up and watch Joe Osteen uh, shows all fucking Sunday? Bombs. <laughs> what you going to do? Well, they're gonna be on social me. media and they're gonna be talking about their driving like never before. The Patriots are down by four points, and Brady is 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 knocking them down. He's going on the ninety eight yard drive, and you gonna do what? Go to bleach? Stay stay on Bleacher Report? <laughs> Hell no! <laughs> Hell no! I understand what what what, what Kaepernick is coming from, and. Ray Lewis, it, 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 Ray Lewis is a company man. He's past his prime. They say he's Stefan from the Django. Well, he got to say the my most favorite phrase. Who's that nigga on that name? No, sweet Lord Jesus, let me kill this nigga. Fuck <laughs> When he laid on the floor, he shot him in the knees. His sweet Jesus, let me kill this nigga. Man, did. who is that nigga on that name? <laughs> Hell, he said, who I miss you like a rock about you. I miss you like a baby miss Nana Titty. <laughs> who that nigga on that name? He played the fuck out that role. <laughs> And, and but but if if he if he is doing it now or whatever, that's he's past his prime. And like the guy said the other day, that said that he would die on the football field is the perfect title. But these guys are coming from a a, a young a young twenty year old thirty twenty two year old perspective in life. And what did Martellus Bennett tell us? Man, that's not the place to die. What if you live? Yeah, you know what I mean? Say I ain't dying for shit. Yeah, fuck all that. You know, uh, he, uh, it's too bad he can't talk to Dave Dorsey. Too bad he can't talk to the linebacker that killed himself. Well, uh, which one? Uh, uh, from the uh, not Mar- not not Mary member. What's his name? Junior Seau. Junior Seau. Yeah, yeah, Junior Seau. Yeah. I mean, too bad you can't talk to these guys. You got to talk to Jim McMahon, who said he has to wear glasses and they had to take every sharp object out of the house because he has to spend sixteen hours sometimes a, a day in one dark room because he's. He's, his mind is messed up. Would you, okay, You have if you had a kid or child, would you encourage your child to play football? No, sir. I wouldn't even allow my kid to step foot on the football field. Ken? Well, I mean, my, 
my son likes football now. If he wants to play, um, I probably wouldn't take that away from him. I would try to make him as safe as I can, you know, uh, while he's playing. I got a nephew that's that's playing now. He's been playing for years, about to start playing at Brother Rice next year. So Really? I mean. Yeah. Well, hand claps to him, then. Hand claps to him. What, what position are you going to play Brother Rice? You know what? That's a, a good question. He was playing um, running back last year when he was at Queen of Martyrs. So um, we'll see what happens. Because Brother Rice, they like to like the brother run the ball, make all the spectacular plays, and then when they get down in the trenches, like the five yards, they like to give it to the big Pollock to let him run the ball in. Pop it! For real. I mean, that's what the public, that's what, that's what the Catholic schools do. Yeah. And that's why a lot of the brothers wind up transferring to the Simeons and the Morgan. I Parks never knew that. Or the or the, or the, or the Hubbards. Wow. Yeah. It was a, it was a guy named uh, Charles Frazier. That's what that, he was very good. He went to Hubbard in the uh, late nineties. Very good. Like I went I went to all his games. I used to go to Derrick Rose basketball games. This dude was good. War number one was was a like a Lawrence Phillips with 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 the the swagger that the 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 moves. And uh, he had transferred from uh, Mark Carmel. Boy, you said Lo- that name, Lawrence Phillips. That nigga, woo. Yeah. Boy. Fine. What, a, what, a, what a fucked up life he had. Man. Yeah. Man, it ain't going to be the last one you see like that either. I, I'm wondering if he suffered from CTE also. No, he, he he was fucked up from the get-go. From the get-go? From the get-go. He was raping white women at, at, at 15. Damn. But he, oh. but he knew how to run that run that pig skin. They did. Back to Colin Kaepernick. Uh, I like the stance he's taking, but he 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 wants his cake and his ice cream, and he want to eat them both. That's not the, the, the thing. The issue, real quick, real quick about it. The issue is these these two, these two teams have quarterbacks that are down. Flacco is down. Um, Andrew Luck is going to be out for six damn games. Why not sign him? It shows. It show, like I posted on, on Facebook earlier. So you think he's going to the coach? It's showing you the mindset of the, of these these thirty two owners are showing you the Trump mindset. So I always tell y'all that the owners of this is their PlayStation, their Xbox, their teams. Bombs. Bombs. Say it again, man. The, the, the owners, their their teams are their PlayStation and their, and their Xboxes. So what I'm saying is. How many times you didn't zip past? Like I would not play with the 49ers for nothing in the world on no team on on no on no under no circumstances because they 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 fucked the Cowboys up in eighty two eighty one <laughs> so off the Dwight Clark catch but you know that's 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 just my stance on it you know that's just my comparison like I can't do it but their games is they have a whole team. And they and they make they choice, you know they 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 pick and choose who they want to sign, and they pick and choose who they want to play. You can't make a stance against the white man and then go ask him for some money. Mm. How you gonna make a stance against him about what you what you're doing to these people? This and that. We get that, but then you are gonna come back and say I want some money when you decline to take the money on your own contract? I mean, it's it's a that's just my view. And you could you could attack me however you want to on. He's forty Twitter. million dollars up though right now. Yeah, he's forty million. He's forty million, million up. up. Well, what was he gonna get that at? Well, if he if he still had these feelings before he played for the Forty ers and he didn't want to take a stance, guess what he'd be doing? He'd been the only motherfucker on his knee while all them people walk past him going to the game. They'd have been like, "So what you doing? What you doing? 
Nobody really cared about that type of stuff, you know. But he he had a platform. I understand his platform, but don't try to get back in the league. Keep stay on your platform. New Alchemist and Budgie, forever. Faith is something that many of us talk about, but few of us have much of. Can I get a witness? that you have more faith in a pew bench than you do in the Lord. The good book, volume two, Alchemist and Budgie, um, forever. Hand claps. What you think about that? Nice little interlude music. Yeah. When I thought we was gonna walk into a wake. <laughs> Pop it. Visit or something. Somebody to get killed. She stole the cottage room. Oh man. What the fuck was going on? Um, <laughs> what what the fuck was you just playing, man? Hey, you gotta understand. This is um, this is what I've been listening to the last couple of weeks. The Alchemist and Budgie uh, mixtape that just popped out. You need some counseling. Out. Don't play that song repeatedly for, for nothing, man. He, you, he got me worried now. <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck, it, was, it was a sugar tax on pops, hey. not honey buns. What pops! the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I'm gonna give you daps on that, but I like that, man. You like that? I like that. My man, my man, Ken. Um, Welcome, man. You know Welcome. what I do like, though? What? Vince Mensa. Vic Mensa. All right, go ahead, Ken. You like the album? Yeah, I like that album. Uh, that's all right. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Welcome, Ken. Thank you. Thank Welcome. you, brother. Um, you are from the south side of Chicago. Am I correct? Born and raised. Born and raised. What year? What year I was born? Yeah. 69. 69. About to be 48. Well, about to be 48. Um... Raised in the seventies. What was the seventies in Chicago for you? What was it from your eyes from sixty nine to seventy nine or sixty nine to eighty? You know what I tell you, man. I the older I get, the more I appreciate the way that uh, that I came up. Uh huh. The um, just for the sake of conversation, my block on St. Lawrence, man. It was just you know full of kids. You know what I mean and. Um, what is St. Lawrence? 100th in St. Lawrence. Wow, 100th in there. Okay, okay, hang yeah. on. All right, all right. And, and you know, I remember the, um, the 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 single mothers that was working. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, Mama Florence took care of all the kids. She was at home. Okay. 
you know, um, if I did something on somebody else's block, it was just like I was doing it on my own block. You know, I was disciplined and, you know, wasn't no talk back. You know, it was just, um, you know, you getting corrected by an adult, whomever it is. Did you have a big afro back then? You know what? I didn't, man. My old man wasn't playing that. Because you're rocking the ball head now. You, you, you're part of the, the post-1984 Jordan phase right now going yeah. on. And, you know, you that, and Magic Mike got, you know, <laughs> same barber. Well, Magic cuts his own hair. Okay, but, you so know. So do I. <laughs> right. Um, but. Just because you got that holding on. <laughs> <laughs> that Jeffrey Osborne over there. Don't get too. Don't celebrate too much too too soon. Be cool. You, you won't get a tip when I when I come in the shop tomorrow. Yeah, uh, okay. you got your best tips is what? All right. <laughs> chicken, motherfucker. Chicken tips. Pop it. Bombs. Okay. Cool. All right. So you had a you had an afro in the seventies and everything. Earth, wind, and fire. Nah, none of that. None of that. Never had an afro. Never had an afro. When I was a, sh- a shorty, probably you know maybe five or so, I had you know a little hair, but you know, mom man. Got me a crew cut back in the day, and I was rocking a low boy forever. What was life like around around that time in the hundreds? And, and at, was it wild or was it? I mean, was it a more? You said it, you, you you're saying it was a familial setting and and, and everything. So it, it it was, man. We we had a lot of a lot of athletes on the block. You know, you had to learn. You had to know how to play football, basketball, baseball, nail. Whatever it was. Okay. Hill deal, Johnny Come Across, all that shit. Yeah. The only obese boy, he he, he had bad feet or some shit. He had asthma. Yeah. One of those big old beast kids back there, man. Okay. You know, okay. Well, that wild honey shit came when some nigga got too rich and bought a bunch of guns and fucked the community up. They should have hung his ass at that White Castle's on 111 in front of everybody. <laughs> Stopped all that shit. Pop it. Wow, honey. <laughs> that bitch is yelling that shit. Wow, wow. That's why they kids is wild in the fuck right now. Yeah. They grandkids too. Yeah. Um, where'd you go to school? You know, I started off um, when in grammar school, I went to Bennett on 101st in uh, Prairie. Now, from there, I went to Mendo for one year. That didn't work out too well, and I graduated from uh, St. Willibrod. Used to be on 114th and Airbrook. Yeah, right up the street from Mendel. Mendel yeah. has a storied past where it's it's, um, it's like been the, the center of house music, especially with the mental parties. Right. You know, the bi-level. Yeah. bi-level. Yeah, the bi-level. They had a party upstairs and in the gym room downstairs. and downstairs in the lunchroom. So you're of the house music era. Yeah. You from you went to high school what years? Uh, 84 to 87. 8487. Yeah. Um at uh Mendel for one year. Will did you used to go back up to the Mendel parties at all? Back yeah, then? most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. Did you were you the house music thing, what did, what kind of influence did it have on you? You know what, man, I have always loved house music, man, from the first time I can remember the the Hot Mix Five back in the day, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, those parties used to just be off the meter. Yeah. They was man. Magic. That was the place to be. What about you? Was you at the Mendel parties too? Yeah. yeah. I went to Mendel for two weeks in my freshman year. And I decided that this 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 judgment, you get judgments for being bad or talking or whatever you do, disciplinary action. So you send me to school on Saturdays. I was like, this I'm not doing this shit. <laughs> Going to school no fucking six days a week. I know I'm gonna do something every day to get so you start getting judgments. So when the public school started, but you was there with Fred Cleveland and them, right? 
87. I mean, he came out in 87, but your freshman year. Name don't sound Johnson? familiar, but I mean, I was, I was yeah. freshman year, 84. Yeah, if he yeah. was there, I was there. Yeah, what I made was, you transfer? You know what? Um, it just it wasn't a good fit for me. The um, When I went to Bennett, the, my grammar school, I mean, Bennett was uh, was kind of wild. And, um, you know, you had to... You know, you had to learn how to thump on the on the playground. Right. And um, at Mendel, you know, I wasn't for, you know, I'm a freshman letting somebody throw pennies at me and, you know, being bullied because you're a freshman and all that. I wasn't I wasn't for that. Okay. You know, so I was in detention a lot, and yeah. it, it just wasn't a good fit. You know, you and probably um, was, you was probably was throwing the pennies or getting pennies thrown at too. Right? No, I, I went there and I. Went to like three or four classes. I was like, I'm not doing this shit. Yeah. <laughs> Had to read the religion and all that bullshit. I'm not doing this shit. I need to be somewhere else where it's a little, a little easier environment. Then I couldn't get in Simeon because it was, they was packed. We went up to Calumet. My mother's gonna put me in Calumet. Then there was a guy who had his hat to the right, and they wore his ass out in front of the motherfucker main office. I was like, well, I guess I'm going to Harper. <laughs> and, and every nigga in Harper had a beard and butters. It was like looking at my mama when she was like, man, she got a big ass. And I was like, damn. Bombs! <laughs> gotta deal with this shit for the next four years. True story. That's my, yeah. That's my so I, I wind up there hanging out with Jarrell and Eric Nix. Two guys that weren't going to do shit to nobody. <laughs> um, you went to St. Willowbrook. How was the, the transition there? St. Willowbrook was actually one of the best things that ever happened to me, actually. You know, as I was... I was challenged in a way that I was never challenged before by this, uh, this teacher named Sister Dorothy. Okay. And she basically told me, you know, you're a great writer. Why are you dummying down? Why are you acting like you can't write? Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, ain't nobody never, you know, came at me like that before. You know, so um, she changed it, you know, changed the whole thing back, back around for me. So I got back on the basketball team, got on the baseball team, and, you know, just – Got things in order, you know, and it was just, just the atmosphere was just a lot different than mental. Hip hop was 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 bubbling around that time. Were you listening to hip hop music? Oh man, no doubt. Who'd you like at that time? <sighs> man, thinking back, Schooly D, LL Cool J, <laughs> Curtis Blow, Run DMC. <laughs> yeah, I was I was definitely a Run DMC guy. I used to rock my. Adidas, uh, job suits, all of them. Bob, interview over, yes! <laughs> Three stripes! <laughs> Sound Guy Phil is, uh, you see how I mixed that one up? Sound Guy Phil, engineering Mike. Um, yeah, he fucked up all the way. He, had that <laughs> intro. he just said, on Adidas high right now. Um, <laughs> so Run DMC was an influence. Yeah, yeah, I definitely liked Ron DMC. I mean, I, LL was cool to me as well. You know, if if it had a beat to it, I was trying to listen to it. You know, you were, you lived near? Did you go up on Michigan? Did you go shopping on Michigan on 113th, 114th in Michigan? Yeah, in Roseland. Yeah, you got to paint that picture for us, man. <laughs> what was life like around that time? Because you know, you had okay. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, you had you had you had. I don't know what's going on here. Um, gummy bears. Um, 114th Michigan is, is the shopping mecca. It was the shopping mecca. But you know what? I I tell you where I went even more than on Michigan. Where? The original Jew Town. Okay. 
Give, us a, give, give me, give me, talk to me about that. You know what? I mean, you go if if you look at the old Blues Brothers movie. Uh-huh. You know the way Jewtown used to look down there. You'll get a clear picture of it. You know, and we used to jump on jump on the bus or the train, get a super transfer on Sunday. Man, ride down there or ride all over the city. You know, and um, you know we wasn't worried about you know too much. You know, uh-huh. and um, you go down there with your Little coins that you have, and you know, try to come up on a on a Bronco sweatshirt or something. You know what I'm saying? So right. and stay away from the guys with the three tops and the ball or the three card model. Yeah, they get your right. ass. yeah, they yeah. will get you real good. Yeah, they let you let that little ugly ass lady win, and she'll just disappear, and you would think your dumb ass for the win, and they let you win the first time, and then they'll rob your ass. <laughs> <laughs> you won't have no money. It's like you use your last 20 and you, you get took for it. Oh, my God. You ain't got no Levi's coming home. Your mama about to cuss your ass out for the can. <laughs> of can't. You can't even get a Jewtown Polish, nigga. Like, niggas would be so late that your boy's making fun of you on the sly. Like, look at him. He ain't got no bags. <laughs> now, 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 for everybody that doesn't understand and didn't know that Jewtown started from what? At Roosevelt all the way down to? Like uh, 15, 16. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was nothing but shops that were owned by um, Chinese. And yeah. They used to knock on the windows. Yeah. You walking past, and they'll tell you their deals. They'll try to get you to come in, they'll tell you the deal. Like, what you looking for, my friend? They always yeah. have a black yeah. guy yeah. as the front man. Yeah, trying to get you in the store. Yeah, what you need, bro? What you need? What you need? Yeah. That was This is during a time where, in the 80s, where um, gym shoes were the whole gym shoe. Thing, the whole gym shoe craze was it wasn't it was becoming it wasn't just so much Nike it was yeah, you had ponies, British knights and ponies and lotos all that yeah, yeah. all that what'd bullshit. you wear man whatever I could afford <laughs> yeah you, you had, didn't wear no K Swiss did you nah I ain't, nah, I ain't wear no, no K Swiss you know I, 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 I we, definitely rocked my Adidas and my Nikes I mean I I remember the first pair of Jordans I ever bought man back then really yeah but yeah. then you had to earn your, your money for your shoes. Your mama wasn't giving her pussy up all night, did give you the money that the man gave her. Hit it. <laughs> shoes, shoes. Hit it. <laughs> Say it one more time. Mama wasn't doing what? Your mama wasn't letting Mr. Charlie from, from uh, Francis, who been drinking <laughs> Jameson all night, bust her pussy over all night. <laughs> and then give you the money that he gave her. You're stinking ass. You go down there and get you some. Size nine and a half ponies. Nigga, once you got close to a size 10, you had to have a job. Mama wasn't playing that shit. Ken, what, yeah, what pair of Jordans right. did you have? What year? <laughs> I, I, the, the very first ones, man. The, the very first ones. The I remember phones. I bought them. Yeah. And, um, How much did you pay for them? Do you remember? Man, I can't remember, but I know I had to order. I had to pay. My mama paid for half of it. I had to earn the money to pay for the other half. Yeah. So I was a grass cutting, leave raking, you yeah. know, car washing brother, you know? Mike, did you have Jordans back then? No, my mama told me you got to be out your fucking mind. You think you're gonna give you seventy five dollars for some shoes? Seventy five dollars versus shoes, where shoes now and and thirty uh, uh, thirty to thirty five years later is is two hundred something dollars. You realize yeah. that? Yeah, that's good business. <laughs> that's good business. That's a motherfucking markup. Yeah, I mean, one hundred sixty dollar markup from seventy five dollars. Yeah, yeah. eighty dollars. I used to wear Vias. He put the work in, man. Yeah. I used you know to who wore Vias? Who? Granville Waiters. 
And he wasn't shit. And, uh, <laughs> no, DePaul wore him too. DePaul wore him. My man wore him in high school. I mean, college too. Keeping him with him, Mavias too. And what, at Indiana State? At uh, Ball State. Ball State. Ball yeah, State. Yeah. Ball State legend over there. Yeah. Um, Ken. Yes, sir. So, Mendel for one year. Silas, uh, how you say it, St. Willibrod yeah. for the rest of it, for 87. And they had women there, too. He going to leave that fact out, but they yeah, had women there. Yeah, you left that fact out. I thought that was common <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> we think, yeah. When you hear St. and hear Catholic schools, I don't, you think automatically everything is separated. Nah. Um, St. Calabas, I mean, St. not St. Calabas, St. Willibrod, yeah. you went to. Came out of there what year? 87. 87. College. First year, Aurora University. Why Royal University? Um, you not you at this time where you, you're part of the Cosby Kid age, so you're about what 17, 18 years old. So yeah, Cosby 17. Cosby Show was real prevalent, real relevant. Um, it showed black people in a positive light versus whereas we just came out of ten years before that we was looking at good times and you know. Uh, um, James and, right, and all that right. kind of shit like that. So you got a doctor and a lawyer, you know, that's married with five kids that were going to black colleges. The black, did, did your mom and, and dad, did they push you to go towards black colleges? You bypass it, or what made you choose a Royal University? Well, you don't know? leave out the fact that man, it was a black positive show on TV. Which one? Different Strokes, man. That's different stroke, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. Is this what company going through right now? You want that hunky to adopt him and take care of him and treat him well. Uh, Willis. Bump. Okay. Willis, man. <laughs> you got to come up with that. You got to come up Willis. Come up with that. Willis Jackson. <laughs> Go ahead, man. <laughs> you know, it. Um, they didn't, you know, really um, try to push me toward a, a black college. They were just like, look, you need to go to school. You need to do something. My mother didn't play it. You know, she was like, okay, you graduated from high school. You're going to work. You're going to go to school. You're going to do something. You ain't going to sit up in this house and do nothing. Okay. That was, you know, just not an option. Brothers you know, and sisters? Older brothers and sisters? Um, or? My oldest sister, she um, went to NIU. She had um, she had graduated from NIU. Um, and uh, my my sister that was right next to me, she was um, working and going to school in the, in the city. So you're the baby then? Yeah, I'm the youngest. Okay. Um, so, you know, I went to Aurora University, you know, they, I had some, some real decent financial aid. My old man was able to, to pay the rest of it and get me there. And, you know, I had to make ends meet and, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. You so, stayed on campus? Stayed on campus. Okay. How was it being in Aurora, Illinois around that time? We look, we're talking about from 87 to what year? That was, um... It was, I, just, I was just up there one year, you know, 87 to 88, okay. you know, from the fall through the the uh, the uh, summer. Okay. And, I mean, it was um, it, it was cool as, as far as everything on school. There was, you know, a little racial stuff going on in the city at that particular time with some of the townies. But, um, I mean, it was, it was all right. I mean, it was, um, you know, I, I definitely could say I learned a lot about, you know, myself, you know, being away on my own like that, you know. How did you deal with dealing with other races? Yeah, did you trick one of them white devils to your room to get some lit ass? Man, you know what? Fuck when you wash your clothes. Did you? Did you get out and lick that light? You are so messy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say this: that 
I didn't do no trick and they tricked me. Yeah, see there? They all that fuck all that racial shit in the town. Hey bitch, come up to the C three oh five. It wasn't even they wasn't even like that. They lived off campus and I had a vehicle, so they was like, just come here. Yeah. You know, and don't have to have all that music blasting when you drive up. Yeah. <laughs> Leave all that shit on a hundred in St. Lawrence. <laughs> so no NWA playing at that time. No. no. You had to turn that shit down. No, right? Phil had Collins to turn that all the way down. Best of Phil Phil Collins. Yes. The, the studio. Yeah. Um. So you, a brother gonna get some pussy wherever he go. He, he could be. The only nigga in the, in Alaska. He gonna get some pussy. He gonna get some pussy. He gonna find a way his dick gonna get hard and haul that cold. And he gonna take off that mink. <laughs> What's up, bitch? <laughs> Hit it. <laughs> yeah, that mean, that's just our nature. Uh, Fuck something. <laughs> or get fucked up. <laughs> Why only a year at, at Aurora? You know what? I was just making some changes. You know, I... um. I was looking for a little more independence, you know, from um, from my father, from my family, you know. So I was like, okay, I'm um, I'm gonna try something different, you know. I was um, I enlisted actually, went okay. to the uh, went to the army, got down to the uh, to Fort Jackson in South Carolina, and um, I was uh, misdiagnosed with a a um, eye ailment, and uh, they ended up giving me a uh, general discharge and. So I was right back home. So I was like, man, you know, all right, I still got to be productive. Right. Got back in school, started going to daily college, started working in private security, working full-time, going to school full-time. Mm-hmm. Just like, all right, so, you know, I was just on my grind, working from 7 to 4, going to school from 6 to 9.30. Okay. Monday through Thursday, mm-hmm. Saturday classes. You know, I was trying to, you know, get that degree, man, you know, so I can, you know, try to do something, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. So with when with Daily College you went there, um when did the transition start for you as far as going and wanting to be involved in wanting to do the police thing and everything? You know what, man, I wanted to be a a, a cop my whole life, man. It was um Really? Yeah, you know, I was I remember the the officer friendly program from back in the day, man. And um they don't have that no more. No, nah, they don't have it no more. But, you know, we actually knew this officer, man. He was in the neighborhood. He used to walk in the streets. You know, we knew him. Okay. Yeah. And, um, Beat cops. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, my first, uh, one of my first baseball coaches, man, when I was a shorty, uh, Mr. German, he was a police officer. You know, so I had some, um, some positive role models in my life that was cops at that time. You know, as a uh, old, uh, Mr. Shaw, he lived a few doors down for, from us. You know, he was a uh, a police commander. Okay. You know, and my my father knew a, you know a lot of cops. You know, so I knew good people that was cops. You know, I didn't uh, know about all of the John Bird stuff that was going on at that particular time. Right. You know, I found out about all that stuff later. You know, all the cops ain't the same. Okay. Right. You know, so. That's why I uh that's why I wanted to, you know, go into it, you know. So I was like, okay, if I get this associates from um from Daily, you know, I'm working in private security, that's gonna, you know, help me, you know, make the next step. You know? What year was this that you you that that you wanted to segue? You know, that was between um eighty nine and uh ninety one. Okay. So in ninety one, take us there. Ninety one was the 
the best and the worst for me, so to speak. You know, I um, I started working with the um, university police at the with the University of Chicago. They um, and they had a a real long process to get hired. They had uh, eight slots open. Okay. And they had about four hundred people that was trying to get those slots. How old were you? I was uh, twenty one. Okay. So um, I was like, you know what? I'm getting one of them spots, one of them mine. I'm claiming that. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, all throughout the went through all out the the process, you know, and um, I started training with the uh, with the academy for the, the university had their own academy. I started there in September of um, 1991. So that was you know like like a, a good year for me at that particular time. Okay. Okay. Um, where did things go awry? You know, things went awry. Um, actually, in um, Halloween night in 1991. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Halloween night, I was um, out, you know, kicking it with uh, some people that I know. You know, it was they had a good time. I had to go to work the next morning at 5 o'clock. So, you know, I hung out and went home, went to bed, went up, got to work the next day. And, um, you know, everything was cool, so I thought. But um, everything went downhill 17 days later when mm-hmm. the um, Chicago police detectives come knocking on my door that Saturday morning telling me they want to talk to me about some harassment. Like harassment? Yeah. What y'all talking about? So I grab my ID, grab my badge, throw some clothes on. So all right, come on, let's see what's up. They take me down to 51st Street. Next thing I know, they tell me, we want to talk to you about a uh, uh, Kidnapping and a, a, a rape that happened on Halloween night. Damn. It's like, Halloween night? No, that was when, and man, everything just snowballed from there. Snowballed. And um, I was um, arrested, tried, convicted, sentenced to 35 years in prison in four and a half months. Damn. So, so who was this person? It was just a, a a young girl that I knew. Um, I mean, we ain't really had no relationship or nothing. We just kicked it that night, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't know that she was, um, at that time I was 22. I didn't know that she was um, 16 and had dropped out of high school. She was, I thought she was 18 and was had just graduated from uh, high school, you know. Wow. So and, she was out being fast, laying uh, the slick catfish trap. Yeah, for the most part. Wow. So question, going through all of that, right, you were wrongfully convicted, you spent eight years in prison. How did that change your perception on, like, the legal field, like, law enforcement? Well, I mean, I, I learned so much about the, the, the system with not just what I went through, but everything that's been going on since then as well. Um, you was always taught as a student that you're innocent until proven guilty. Right. And, you know, that's that's a good theory, but the practice is totally different. It's totally different. So how did you, what did you do with those eight years? Like, how did you use that time? Well, I mean, the the first thing that I did, I mean, it was, um, and I'll never forget it, I was in a cell on... um, on Sixth Gallery, and they brought me a calculation sheet to, to let me know uh, my projected release date and my mandatory release date. 
And keep in mind, this is, you know, April of 1992. They tell me that my projected release date is May 16th, 2009. Whoa. And then they tell me that my mandatory release date is November 16th, 2026. So I made a choice right then and there. I balled it up and threw it out the bars. I said, nah, not me. I ain't gonna, no, no, it's not gonna happen with me. You know, so I, I knew that the the law is what put me there, so the law was gonna, you know, get me up out of there too. So I had to um, really go on a, a, a education journey, so to speak. So you spent a lot of time in the law library? Yeah, that's 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 all I did. That's all I did. Every time I could get to the law library, that's where I was at. So you were doing your own appeals and you kept getting rejected? Um, no. No, I wasn't. I was um my my first attorney that uh that we hired used to be one of my college professors actually at uh, at Daly College. And he actually did a he did a pretty good job. He did, but um, so many times in the system, you um, you need a heavy hitter to really have somebody listen to you. Yeah, you need like weight behind the name. I'm I'm with that. Yeah. Yeah. So who who did you hire? I um the law firm that I work for now is uh, Winston and Strawn. They hand claps. Ended up taking my uh, like <laughs> they they ended up taking my case uh pro bono free of charge and um in nineteen ninety five. Yeah. In ninety five. Yeah. So in ninety five, how long did it take them to get you a new trial granted? Well the um I still had some um some other proceedings going on in the state court and before you can file what they call a federal habeas corpus, you have to exhaust all of your state court remedies. So we had to let all of that stuff, you know, Expire play, play its, its course. course. Mm-hmm. So once it's, once it played its course, we filed our petition in the federal court in 1997. And um, the federal court um, really took a look at all of the evidence, gave me an evidentiary hearing, gave me a chance to prove everything that I had been saying over all these years. So... Um, Actually, on uh, November 16th, 1999, eight years to the day that I was arrested, the federal court overturned the conviction, told the state, y'all got 90 days to either release them or let them go. Mm. So they let you go that day? No, nah, no, nah, they didn't. They um, they took me back to the, the county jail, and um, my mother put a house up as a collateral to get me out on bond. Mm-hmm. So uh, December 23rd, 1999, I walked up out of the county jail after eight years, one month, seven days. Yeah. Have, have you ever uh, heard anything from the, the supposedly victim? I I saw her one time a couple years later. Um, my brother and I was invited to a birthday party, and we walked in the party, and... Um, she was sitting at the bar talking with a guy, and um, I just had like a numb feeling. It was like I, it was like my my mind is telling you, you know, run, get away from her, you know. But it was like I couldn't move, and she was saying to me, I couldn't tell you what she was saying. She was standing there in the middle of the bar crying. I couldn't tell you anything that she said. When I got my bearings, 
I went and found my brother, and I was like, man, let's go. I got to go. And um, I just remember walking outside the bar, and I got to my car, man. I just broke down, man. Broke down. Wow. And, and that's something, that, as, as, a, as a man, to see the supposed victim who lied on you and, 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 and lied to you to put you in this predicament. You know what I mean? What was it like in court? Did, what, what did she say that, like, was it that she was into it with her parents or something? Why did she have to bring it up later on? You know, like I said, it was 17 days between the night we were together and the day I was arrested. And when I look at the police reports, I mean, it was just shoddy work, man. You, if investigating one-on-one, if your victim, your supposed victim tells you two, three, four different stories, that should have you look at it with a lot more detail. Right. And, I mean, one of the one of the very first things that they did to me when they took me to the police station was had me take my shirt off. It's like, why? Well, the, the assailant got a green and yellow tattoo on his left shoulder. I never had a tattoo on my shoulder. I didn't get a tattoo till 2005. Okay. And as dark as you are, I can guarantee you wasn't green or yellow. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. You know, um, so, I mean, just so many different things. I mean, the, the, the allegation was that, you know, we didn't know each other, that we, uh, that she was a total stranger that I kidnapped off the street. But, you know, I got all of her personal information. She got my personal information. How do you explain that? You know, I'm supposedly kidnapped somebody, then I gave her my page number. I took her to my house. I didn't take her to no alley. We went to my house. Mm. You know, so um, it's it was it was just crazy. And um, the uh, attorney that I had was um, was incompetent. You know, and I was naive myself. You know, I thought that um, you know just because you you know hire a, a, a lawyer, just because you know you're not guilty, that you know that I'm gonna be good. Yeah, but you know that's the the theory of the system. You know that's not the practice of the system. Was, was the was the lawyer African American or no? No, he wasn't. He was a white guy. White guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, Have you run across him since you've been in, in working? Is with he still practicing law? He's he's deceased right now. Um, as a result of my case, he was disbarred. Bombs. Scared the shit out of you. Me too. <clears throat> Let that carry so, <laughs> you had hopes of being a cop. It all got derailed. Eight years in prison. Now you're a free man. What are you doing? Well, I mean, I'm I'm actually, you know, I I look at it as like I'm working my dream job, so to speak. You know, and I I never envisioned it, you know, going well, like this. There had to be some space in between then and Winston. Like, cause you've been at Winston for almost like fifteen years, right? Uh, I've been at Winston seventeen years. Seventeen years. I had one other job when I got out. I worked for the Chicago Catholic Charities as a mentor at an alternative high school, and while I was working that job, I got a call from one of the lawyers at Winston, cause they knew me as a, a jailhouse lawyer, you know. And um, one of the lawyers he told me he said you was one of the toughest clients I ever had, because I knew. I had to be on point with what I told you about your case or about the law because you knew it better than I did. So um, a, a, as a result, you know, like I said, I had that first job, you know, with the Chicago Catholic Charities, got the call from the lawyer at the firm saying, you know, we got this position open. 
I think you should apply for it. And, and it's um, history. Yeah. Okay, let's go back for a second. Um, you did eight years. Cook County, yeah. He was at the county, one of the worst county places. jails in the in the world. In the world. Um, this is during the gang banging era too, in the nineties also. Right. Um, how did you how did you deal with that situation there by, by being at the county at that time, and and everything? You, you know, my as as I was telling them earlier, my my time at the county was very short. My case was expedited, so to speak. I was arrested, tried, convicted in four and a half months. Mm. That that's typically, unusual. That's that's that doesn't happen in Cook County. Right. When you're fighting class X felony charges at Cook County, you're usually at the county two to three years. Okay, okay. And in, in my situation, it was totally different. Like I said, I was arrested November 16th, 1991. By April 3rd of, 2000, of, of 1992, I was sentenced to 35 years. What was your mother and father saying, thinking? What were they doing? You know... Did they lose my, hair? Did they? Did they... My whole family was in a state of shock, and and not just my family, my the the whole neighborhood, my whole community, the whole block, everybody, because I mean, I mean, I had I had been an athlete my whole life, you know, I had never been in no scrapes or nothing like that. You no game banging pass, none of that kind. Nothing of thing. like that. Right. Nothing. Okay. You know. Uh, it's guys in the neighborhood that I knew that was about that. And, yeah, you know, I knew them. I would hang with them sometimes. But they go do their thing. I'm going to do my thing. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so none like that. You know, I was in the – everybody was in a in a state of shock, you know, seeing, you know, something like that happen to me. I always say, like, you, you got to – you really got to – when they say you got to count your blessings, you got to count your blessings. Yeah. Think how many times you drove intoxicated. Yeah, <laughs> like for real. Think, yeah. think, think about the situations you've been in, and 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 on a drinking binge one night and a party. Like he said, he was kicking it. Think about the situations you've been in, and you like when you hear his story, you be like, "Damn, I could have been in that. I've been in that predicament several times." You know what I mean? Like with shit, just ugly bitch you don't want to get caught with like you know, I get caught with this bitch <laughs> nigga I'm gonna I'm hear about it like for the next 40 years like nigga you remember you had that bitch look like uh, the, uh, the the baddest the gorilla that's singing uh, Chuck E. Cheese nigga <laughs> that thing nigga, terrified me as a kid in the morning <laughs> um, <laughs> Ken uh, shout out to Magic Mike you turn him up is that Cook County? What other jail facilities were you at? When I left Cook County. I um, went down to the Joliet Receiving Center. I was there for about a, a month, and from there I went to Stateville. Your and, time at Stateville. Your time. Okay. Your time at Joliet Receiving Center. The, at, at Joliet, at that time, you was basically just confined to your cell because that was the reception center where they was doing all of your intake and processing. Okay. So it was, you know. Other than going to the chair hall for your meals, you was in your cell 24-7. Your thoughts then? What were you doing? How did you cope? You see some shit. You, know, you see a lot of stuff. Okay, like I, we, we referenced the movies Penitentiary, the TV show Oz. 
you went through this. I've I went to jail one time. It was the worst experience of my fucking life. Um, yeah, I was doubt. locked up for four hours, three hours, three to four hours in back of Dunbar High School at the Dunbar Jail over there. Um, worst experience. And, and when my mother came and got me, she started crying. Right. So that just told me right then and there. And this was in 1991 also. That told me right then and there this was not for me. What was my, your charge? Disorderly conduct. Oh, not leaving when I was supposed to leave. Basically... Officer Friendly or the school or the school cop or the cops that was riding past Dunbar was fucking with me. And they arrested me in front of everybody. Damn. You know what I'm saying? Ain't that something? Was it Starsky and Hutch? No, I wasn't no Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> no, no, because my man said it, it Starsky and Hutch was there when he was there. It was it was the it was the it was the black guy with the thick with the thick mustache. Always look out for the black guy with the thick mustache in the nineties. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah, they they stayed on the bullshit. Yeah. Um he, and he had an afro, a little small afro with the glass, with 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 them, uh, what's the with the Lionel Richie glasses. When the police had an accident on 69th and Ashton, they tried to like do a U-turn to go get somebody. And oh. It was slippery, and they slid into the pole. Oh my God! You talking about somebody? We was jumping up and laughing and clapping our hands and shit because the pole fell. Damn! And, really? and, it, and it was a lady like, y'all shouldn't be doing that. That's the police. That's who take care of the community. So you know somebody is yelling, shut up, bitch. <laughs> was that you? Of course. Listen. Bombs! <laughs> Kids! <laughs> Just messy. You, you go, you're there for a month at, at Joliet receiving. Stateville. What is Stateville like in 92 to the time that you're there? Paint the pictures for us, please. You know... Because I, you, know, you I, I tell you this. That's the Go wrong ahead. JJ picture to paint, man. Don't nobody want to be like that <laughs> right. shit. What the fuck? Hey. There's a lot of shit going on. Hey, I yeah, mean, I, there's definitely a lot going on. What I, was going on? I, I, I tell you, the um, when, when I got to Stateville, the joint was wide open. The gangs ran the, the penitentiary. And I, I tell you one of the things that I, I, I never forget. There's so, there's so many things I never forget, but one of the... Um, the, the things that stick out the most is when they bring you in on the fish line. They bring that IDOC bus. They don't take you in the back. They take you in the front of the prison. Okay. And they uh, everybody got the canary suits on, and they got these chains that's going from, it's wrapped around my waist, going to his waist, going to the next guy's waist. And you know the that's the why whole it's called the fish line, right? Having many people is is they bringing in. You know everybody is chained together. Plus you got your cuffs on. Plus you got your shackles on. And um, they walk you down through that hallway, man, like um, like you're on the chain gang, so to speak. Okay. And um, you know it was one of the most humiliating things that I've ever been through in my life. And um, it, it didn't. It, it always amazed me how to see how people, you know, they go in and out of the, the joint like that. I mean, it only took me to have to experience that one time to know I ain't never got to do this again. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you're walking down the, um, the the tunnels on the way to the cell houses, and it's like when you're walking down the tunnel, at first you can you continue to smell the fresh air. The more you get down the tunnel, it's like this stench. Okay. It's hitting your nose. It's like, like death. It's like, what is that? And man, I 
That's life on the inside of the joint. Shit, you, piss, or dingus. It's man, it's uh, it's, it's almost um, unimaginable, you know. Sell doors or was was it bars back then? Oh yeah, it was yeah, it was straight the old school, straight sales, straight sales. Yeah. Um, how did you survive? You, you said it was gang, it was gang ran, gang infested, and everything. How did you was able to nav- navigate through? Well, I mean, it's um the, the 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 first thing that I had to do is I had lost a lot of weight when I was in the county jail because I mean I was just, just stressed out. I mean I was I was a a solid six two two thirty because okay. when I got locked up and wow. man when I went down to to Stateville I was down to like one seventy. Wow, damn. And um, this guy man, uh, I never forget this stud. His name was HB. That's what they called him. That, that guy came up to me and grabbed my elbow, asked me, could he suck my elbow? I looked at him. I pushed him up off me. I said, look, man, I fight to the death. It's okay. I got to get my head right because this real here. So then the food was terrible. But I was like, okay, I got to force myself to eat it. Got on the phone with my sister. Agnes, I need you to send me a couple hundred dollars. I need to go to this commissary. I need to get on these beans and rice. I got back on that weight pile. Uh-huh. Next thing I know, I I got back up to like 250, 255 solid. You know, just in case. You know, you I mean, I was a I was a neutron. I mean, I was a jailhouse lawyer, you know, and those type of things, you know, especially when you're a jailhouse lawyer, those type of things can protect you while you're in the joint. How, your jailhouse, okay. Well, tell, you got to tell us what the the whole jailhouse lawyer. What what are you doing? I mean, because you, I know you're coming in contact with, with with the guards who don't like you, right? Am I right or wrong or, or what? I mean, for for the most part, I stayed out their way. They stayed out my way. Okay. You know, the 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 guards were trying to survive just like you was. You know, when you got one guard on a gallery with a hundred inmates, he ain't trying to make no. You know, no, no no ruffles. You know, he ain't trying to ruffle no feathers because if it go down on that, even though you got the, the, the guard over here with the with the shotgun, if you get caught on that gallery and that that guard with the gun is on the front part and you on the back, you ain't going to make it off the back. It's not going to happen. And he can't get back there quick enough to stop somebody from doing something to you. So they were trying to survive just like I was. I mean, you, you had your... your Butthole, so to speak. But for the most part, I like I say, I stayed out their way. They stayed out my way. A lot of inmates didn't know how to read. Am I correct? Yeah. You talked to them. Yeah, some of them. Yeah, we um that that was more so in the the second part of the of the bit, so to speak. When I was at uh at Galesburg, when I was in 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 Stateville, all I did was law. All you did was law. All I did was law. I was in the law library every day. As much as I could stay there, took books back to the cell with me to read, you know, while I was in the cell at night. Next morning, get up, back to the law library. What was your celly doing at the time while you were reading? You know what? I didn't care what he was doing. I was reading. Okay. You know, one of my cellies was, he was a banger, you know, so he was, you know, at the bars, you know, talking to his guys, doing their thing. That's your bit. You do what you do. That ain't what I'm doing. Gotcha. You know, I'm in these books. 
I heard this few guys, like like rough guys that I, I know that's really straight. They said the worst night of their life, their life was the first night they spent in down in Joliet. What is it? Joliet? Stateville. 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 Down in Stateville. He said that was the worst night of his life ever. Stateville. Like he didn't he didn't did some shit. Uh-huh. He said, but if you want to see how much of a man you are really, and and and, and your 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 masculinity, where could go to? You say you really ain't got to even stand a night in there. When they walk you in there, turn around and you look up to look at them seven tears. He say that 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 that'll change your whole perspective on life. Did you run into HB at all? Again, did you knock his ass out? You know what? I I didn't have to, and I tell you why. Because, like I say, the when I really became uh, 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 when when guys started to recognize me as a jailhouse lawyer, uh-huh. I worked on a lot of guys' cases. A lot of guys with you know that was you know part of different mobs, and when they put the word out, that's my guy. Don't mess with him. I was good. I was good. I had. You know, uh, I heard y'all mention you know some some names earlier with uh, the Hoover yeah. and, and yeah. Chief Malik, yeah. and you know there was a you know some of the board members that I was real cool with, and I was helping them out on their cases. Okay, and there was you know a couple of the main twenty one guys that was yeah. that I was helping them out, and when they put the word out, that's my guy. I was good. You became untouchable. I was good. Fuck with a bull. How did you? Um, okay. How was your? How was your? Your? your um, how did you get? How did you see? Or, or did you see what was going on with the, with the, the the outside? The ones that wasn't black, like the Aryan Nation and all this other kind of stuff. All these the Mexicans and then whoever else was, you know that was non-black that was locked up. You know at, at, at Stateville and the mobsters and everything. Most of those guys, the Northsiders and the mobsters and all that. I mean, most of them was downstate and uh in Menard. Okay. At okay. Stateville was primarily brothers and Hispanics. Okay, you had the, you know, you had the GDs, you had the Mo's, you had the uh, uh, the Vice Lords and the uh, the Latin Kings. You know, for the most part, it was you know a lot of different you know things going on. But for the most part, you know, those were the ones that you know ran it. Fights every day or every other day. You know what? Not not really because. Um, you know, they was like I said, the joint was wide open back then. Okay. There was a lot of drugs going through there. Really? It was um it was prostitution going through there. A lot of stuff going on there and they was making money. So they wanted to keep the the mess down so they could keep making the money. Prostitution? Yeah. There there was there was two things going on. Back back then they used to there were some female guards that used to work the, the midnight shift that used to, you know, make money with guys. And um, you also had, um, at that particular time, people coming down to the visiting room that was taking care of business as well. So it was conjugal visits back then? I right, wasn't nothing conjugal about it. You go into the bathroom, you know, and take care of your business with, you know, somebody that, you know, somebody sent down for you. Like okay. I say, at, at that particular time, the joint was wide open. The, you know, the the guards were uh, used to smuggle stuff in. I mean, I I can remember 
I can remember a guy that I was real cool with um, when I was at Stateville, and he brought me in a, a, a pint of Jack Daniels for my birthday. Bombs! It's all about the Jack Daniels. Side note, did you all read about what happened with Jack Daniels this week? Yeah. No. They honored the, uh, the slave that taught him how to make moon, uh, whiskey. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it was, it was a slave that taught Jack Daniels. Yeah, I read the knew. story about that. I That's didn't know I'm that they, yeah. they honored him. Gave yeah. him a foundation. Wow. I'm like, fuck that. Don't give me no motherfucking foundation. Give my family 400 million. No, they ain't going to do that. <laughs> they should, They make 1.32 billion a year. They're they definitely that, could man. afford to That's do that. 1.32 billion a year. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, they're not gonna do that, man. One point, all, all you niggas should be embarrassed. One point, y'all always begging. Go get your own. One point three billion a year. He would have. Jack James would have never made whiskey without the black man. When yeah. I read that, I'm like, get that man more than just a foundation. He need his family need more than that. Shit, that's what you call fucking reparations, right there. Man, you know how much money they owe us in reparations for real? How much? A trillion. More than that. Shit, they figure they gave niggas reparations when they gave them projects and public transportation. Super transfers. <laughs> Hit it. You about right. You took it all back with this dollar. This penny on the sugar tax. Hit it. <laughs> I've heard horror stories about that shit today. Um, like people standing in the Walmart throwing whole two liters down. Like I'm not paying for this shit, making a mess. Two forty nine. Yeah. What two liter? Wow. Two forty nine. Okay, so you say in the nineties, when did when did you get transferred to Galesburg? And why did you get transferred? Um, things really changed at at, at Stateville and um. In 1996, when uh, the Richard Speck tapes came out. Yeah. Did you ever run into him in Stateville? Um, no, was he wasn't. You know, I don't remember if he was there or not at that. I know the, the tape was older, yeah. but they had just, you know, surfaced. You familiar with the Richard Speck tapes? Yeah, I remember yeah. that. You ever and, heard the story about Richard Speck, like his first weekend in Stateville? No, what was the story? They said he... He was raped so much that after like the fifth guy, he was like he started liking him. Like fuck it, go how you weigh? Like Burger King. And and what's so Let's crazy about it? The the, the <laughs> retrospect tapes was made in the law library where I worked at. But like I said, the tapes was made you know years before I got yeah. there. They just who the fuck was taping though? And one of the Boy, inmates, man. They had the, the inmates man. The when cell, I say the man. joint was wide open, the joint was wide. How the open. fuck did they get a video recorder? Hey, man, they ran the shit, man. The inmates was running that silent, man. Wait a minute, wait. Go back for a second. Thank you. The first night for him, for Richard Speck? Yeah. What happened again? They raped him so much. After about the fifth guy, he started enjoying it. Stop fighting and fuck it, man. Wear it out, man. Get files up in there as you can. No Bobby Valentino. Bobby, come here. <laughs> come here, Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> sorry, kid. Sorry. We got off the top. Okay. Um, Richard Speck happens. 
Him and his his lover and everything and uh, all that happened. Go ahead. Ninety six. All that was a black dude. Ain't did his bitch. I mean, once, <laughs> well, once that happened, they um. Did you it, see that? Yeah. Did you see that guy on Specs' boyfriend or whatever? No, nah, he wasn't there. No, once the tapes came out, he was gone. What about the I fifty seven murder? Um, Brownwoods, whatever. Um, he was down in uh, Pontiac. Yeah. Okay. You know what, what he did? What? He, he killed people out on I fifty seven, and he's for the robber. He he robbed a, a, a couple, and uh. It was intricate parts that he knew about the murder, and he told his celly about it at another penitentiary. Mm. And he was on a, he was on the case for like three years. He's gonna do three years, and he told his celly about some, like he stuck the shotgun up in a lady's vagina and pulled the trigger. And then the, the public didn't know that. So when he told his celly, they rolled the gates, and his celly went and told. The, the uh, lieutenant. I need some free time off, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Free time. Dude got out. Dude uh, got 600 years. The 57 murderer. The uh, 57 murderer. He got 600 years. Um, Not life, just 600. Whatever you do, every time you get reincarnated, <laughs> motherfucker, you going back to jail. If you, if you come back here a raccoon, you going to jail. Ken. Yes, sir. 96, you said the spec tape come out. Um, go ahead. They took the joints back. Who That's took the joints back? The Department of Corrections, the officers. They took the joints back. They um, they sent the uh, state police yeah. and the Orange Crush units down to Stateville. And um, this was probably one of the most uh, scary nights of my life because they, I mean, they had everybody handcuffed and walked out on the South Yard at... Um, I think it was at night as well. And um, they had, like I said, the orange crush and the dogs and everything going through the joint, taking anything that was contraband, anything. Really? And um, at that particular time, you know, uh, one of the uh, lieutenants that I know, he told me, he said, look, man, I might have them put you in for a transfer because what's about to happen here at Stateville, you don't need to be here for that. Bombs hit that. Let's go to Galesburg. Galesburg is where? Galesburg is, man, it's, man, it's so far west, almost in Iowa. Okay. About a three, three and a half hour drive. Your time there? You know, when I when I got down there, that's, um, they had a few more programs down there. They um, had a Roosevelt University program down there. So I was able to uh, finish up my bachelor's degree. I was still doing my jailhouse lawyering. Hand claps on that. And, uh, you graduated with honors, didn't you? Yeah. And also, um, uh, that's when I was doing the teaching of the adult basic education and the GEDs and, you know, all that. Hand claps on that. Man, you came a long way from Because you could have been throwing up the rakes or, 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 you know, throwing down the five and... All all types of other shit going on. Saying I'm glad you didn't, man. You you really paid really? attention to them Saturday morning specials when they used to have uh, I'm Just a Bill and all that shit. Remember the Schoolhouse Rocks? The Schoolhouse Rocks was the shit. Yeah, no like, doubt. I, I, I couldn't understand. I nigga like nigga. How are you following the Constitution, nigga? I'm, I'm, Schoolhouse Rock, nigga. That's, right. Learn the song. Right. It's gonna tell you everything. It definitely that's will. It. If you learn the song, nigga, that's a seventy five. That's what you need to pass. How the fuck is you learning fucking uh, 
the bard songs that you don't learn in the school. <laughs> 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 28 years old in eighth grade. You need to get the fuck up out of here. Oh, <laughs> you would have said the bard song. Yeah, all this love and all this stupid <laughs> shit. Um, <laughs> you're down there in Galesburg for what year to what year? I was I was down there from uh, the end of '96 till I got out. What was the climate down there? Was it more relaxed? Um, yeah, yeah, it was. It, it was, was a minimum, wasn't it? Or it was a it was a medium yeah. medium at that. And um, give me I don't know none of that jail term. Tell me about minimum. Yeah, the, definitely a lot different than um, than than Stateville. Definitely a lot different. Man, night and day. No, um, what was uh, were blacks predominantly the population, or was it more whites? Was it more Mexicans? It, it was still primarily black and, and Hispanic. It was a little more white guys, but um, it wasn't the you know the the bikers that we were talking about. I mean, they was down in Menard. You know, they wasn't in no medium joint. They was all in a max joint, just in the, the bikers part of the were state. yeah. Okay. So what was down in in Galesburg as far as the whites? White boys doing stupid shit like moving sandbags to get to their girlfriend and flooding towns and getting 20 years. For real. My man was a lieutenant. You know that. My man man was a lieutenant and he told me he met a white boy that was in jail for 20 years because he moved some sandbags and it it was a storm like in 93 or something. And then fucked up like Central Illinois. And he moved the motherfucking bags to go see his girl and then put the motherfuckers back. And the town flooded. And they oh. got his ass and he got 20 years. 20 he, fucking years for Because the town flooded. He fucked up. He did a lot of damage. He ain't had no fucking money. He going over there to make sure the other white boy ain't over there. You know, you know <laughs> he down there dipping snuff and eating pussy and spitting the back of the pussy. Fools! <laughs> 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 Go ahead, kid. I'm sorry. You mean, you mean, you It was it was more relaxed. Yeah, but I mean, you you can't really, you know, say what what type of you know crimes people had. I mean, because I mean, typically you don't do that. You know, you don't. Hey, man, what you here for? You know, typically you don't do that. Okay. You know, it was um there there was a lot of older cats there, a lot of C numbers. The cats who um, were sentenced under the old law, who had been, you know, incarcerated since um, either since 1978 or before. Okay. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of them down there. Um, I mean, most of those was were you know murder cases. But, um, with the jail when Rick James was getting this thing on, and they coming out and Ja Rule out there, like, what would I be with my baby? Yeah, that's they like, what time. the fuck is this? You came out around the time the DMX was was popping back, was popping, <laughs> nigga. Yeah, ninety nine. Yeah. Okay, you came home, you got out. What was the actual? What's the actual date that you released? December twenty third, nineteen ninety nine. Hand claps. Best, your second best Christmas ever, huh? Like December twenty third. Who yeah. came and got you? You know, I was at the, um, they brought me back to the county jail to get processed out from my mother put the house up to get me out. And um, my sister, my brother-in-law, and um, and my niece uh, came and picked me up. Where was your father at the time? My father was was actually at home, and um, it was, um, my father had been suffering from, you know, dementia. Okay. Wow. And um, they, I didn't know, they didn't. Tell me about it. They right. didn't, you know, you know, really want me 
stressing over that, you know. He never came to see you? He he used to come see me religiously, uh-huh. no matter where I was at. And when I was in Galesburg toward the, the end of my time, you know, he stopped coming. And um, they never really told me why. Uh-huh. I found out later that... Um, you know, there was one time when he was out, you know, driving someplace and got disoriented and, you know, my system had to go get him and, you know, stuff like that. So, but, you know, my old man was um, was one of my, you know, greatest supporters. You know, he, um, he, he spent, you know, almost all his life savings, you know, trying to help me, you know, get lawyers and everything, you know. And I was um, definitely um, blessed to be able to spend the last, you know, 10 months of his life with him, you know. And claps to that. Oh, man. Um, so that was like 99 going into 2000. He was his only son, right? Yeah. So so that that, that meant a lot to him. Like, yeah. like, like that, that, that could really hurt a person. And, you know, that, I mean, I, I could see why the support was there for you because you, you was his only son. You, you the one that's going to carry the name on. Speaking of which, have you married and, and you know started your own family since? I got I have two children. I got a, my my son Kendrick is uh, twelve and my daughter Kiara is nine. Man, that claps for that man. man. Yeah. 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 Um, brother, we're gonna wait too long. I tell you, brother, how long did you you got up to twenty third? What did you do? What you do this New Year's? Eve? <laughs> <laughs> you do New Year's Eve two thousand. You bring it in the right way, man. With two thousand Leon's coming up at you. <laughs> I'm be totally honest with you, man. I was. uh, I know you, 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 baby. I'm home. I know that lady. eyes popped out of her head. Lady was writing all them years. I'm home. Uh, I'm gonna tell you what happened. What happened? The the state didn't drop the charges. They took me back to trial, and they had set a trial date for the end of January. Mm. So on New Year's Eve, Mm -hmm. I was getting ready for trial. Wow. Damn! Wow, that's something. Ain't that something? And you beat you beat them in the trial. And you know what? It was um, got a chance to, like I say, present everything that should have been presented from day one. And um, man, the jury, the jury took like two hours to come back with a not guilty. You know, it was real quick. Yeah. Did she, was she there? She she had to come back to court the second time. Um. But and but the the thing is, you know, when you get you get confronted with, you know, all your inconsistencies and that you weren't confronted with initially, yeah, you know the 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 jury, you know, saw pretty clearly. And you know, one thing that was really satisfying to me after they came back with the not guilty, you know, I you know immediately broke down and you know, it was reporters in the courtroom, you know, you know, doing interviews stuff like that and. When I leave out with my family, um, it was like five other women that was on the jury was downstairs waiting, and they all gave me a hug. I was like, "Go on with your life." Wow, that's 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 hit that, that's, hit that bombs, man. That's super cool. Um, and, you've go been, and you've been working with the firm you with now for seventeen years. Yeah, yeah. man, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. You represent other people who's who's never had that chance to have the right representation for them. Like, that's that's awesome, man. Salute to you. Like I, I need to shake your hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, no it's, joke, man. It's definitely a, a a dream job for me, man, to be able to do what I do. Yeah. 
I mean, for 17 years, um, what made you go into the whole litigation, I mean, the whole paralegal field? Well, like I said, man, I, um, when I was working for the Catholic Charities, I got that call right. to um, apply for the job. And um, at that particular time, I was just thinking purely financial. You know, they was going to be paying me, you know, more than what the Catholic Charities was going to be paying me. And I was trying to get back on my feet. Right. So that was my, you know, my motivation at that time. I mean, I never, I, I never thought at that particular time that I would be at the firm 17 years later that I would be able to do, you know, what I do now. It's just kind of evolved, you know, like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a blessing, man. There's certain things that happen to you in your life that you can point to, at least for, for me, that I can point to. And I say, you know what? God did that. Yeah. And... My situation, God did that. You know, I the is this gonna this gonna trip you out, man. This um years ago we did a, a, a interview with the the Tribune about something, and um the one of the reporters asked uh, one of the lawyers at the firm, you know, if, if he would have had to pay for the representation that he got from y'all, how much would it have cost him? Now. When my case was in the federal court, they had three lawyers on my case. When we went back to trial, there was five lawyers on my case. When they calculated the bill, it was almost $800,000. Wow. Ain't no way in hell my family could have paid that. My whole family right. worth probably wasn't, wasn't that. Right. But, well, you had the best you know, lawyer of them all on your side. You had God on your side. You know no what I'm question. saying? So, ain't no question. Know, allow whoever they want to say, you know, that that's you, you had them on your side. I, I see you're very humble. How, how do you remain so humble and peaceful? I see you don't use, you know, too much profanity or whatever. You know, I'm cussing like a sailor. You know, you know shout out to Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you, man, I, um, I've 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 been through so much and I learned so much, man. And um, I love helping people. Number one and number mm-hmm. two, um, I got to be an example for my children and for those that I mentor. And you know, I can't talk to my son about you know not using a certain language when I'm using the same, you know, doing it differently. You mm-hmm. know, I can't be hypocritical. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, I, 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 that's the, the, the way I try to live. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect with it. I don't, because, I mean, yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, it'll definitely slip up. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, I don't ever want them to be able to use me as an excuse. Well, I saw you doing that, so that's why I didn't doing it. Right. No, yeah, no, right. you ain't going to be able to do that. Nope. Right. Nope. You stub your toe on that bedpost in the middle of the night, you going to cuss. Like, Shit. Fuck you going to this bed. <laughs> <laughs> the feet is a sensitive yeah. part of the body. Um, so go ahead. What you about to say? Can you tell people what a litigation paralegal does, though? Yeah, you know, I um, in a nutshell, I do everything that a lawyer do, except for going in there and arguing, to, the, and arguing the case in front of a judge. Now, I argue cases in front of the prisoner review board or what they call a quasi-judicial proceeding, but it's not in front of an actual judge. So I argue cases in front of the Prisoner Review Board to get people out on parole. Um, That's something that I do. Um, 
And I mean, I do a lot of research. I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of, you know, investigating, witness interviews, you know, you name it, I do it. So how long were you at the firm before you joined the pro bono department? Like, I, I did. I started that you started right away. Automatically. Right away. I mean, that's something that's very personal to me. You know, when when you're in a situation where, I mean, I lost everything, everything. The last time, I mean, my, I, I had a, appeals denied six different times in different levels of the court. I couldn't get nobody to listen to me before uh, Winston and Strawn took my case. How frustrating is that? You know, the the very first time it was denied, it devastated me. It devastated me. But I, but I had to realize something. When you're in a prison situation, you can't let nothing devastate you to the point where it makes you unsafe in the prison. And that's what happened to me after that first denial. So I had to go into what I call my joint mentality. Okay. I'm going to hope for the best, but I'm going to expect the worst. So if the worst happen, it don't devastate me. I can still survive in these walls. Wow. That's something. And there's people out here free every day. You know, they, 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 they I mean, I wish, I, I'm going to play this for the young kids because I want them to understand, like, this man lost eight years of his life for something that was uh, uh, not a, that's petty what she did. That's petty. No, that but but he's not the first and petty. he's not the last because it's, it's, it's probably happening every day. Uh, can I ask you, is, is there anybody that you have helped that has been like a large case, like a, like a big, like somebody's been locked up for 30 years, 20 years or whatever the case? Well, I mean, it's a few of those. Um, one of the cases um, is um, a guy named uh, Lavelle Davis. And I mean, I, I didn't talk to him first to say his name, but I mean, it's, clearly documented and he spent uh 12 years in prison for a murder he didn't commit he had a twin brother does he have a twin brother yeah no okay no i mean that's um that's one case um there was a, a another case of a, a a brother named um named willie hunter and you know the guy rested so i just found out today that willie hunter passed away but he did you know over 35 years in prison for something he didn't do. And I was able to get the parole board to release him by arguing his innocence. I mean, so he was never, you know, declared innocent by the courts, but the parole board released him based upon our argument that, look, there's no way that this crime could have happened the way that they claim it happened. You know, so um, that was one, you know, one of our most recent cases is a brother that, uh, uh, Nefarious Patrick, that uh, he was charged with the armed robbery that he didn't do. And uh, we were able to, you know, prove the, uh, review the videos to prove that he wasn't the uh, the assailant and the state's attorney uh, dropped his charges. Wow. Hand claps on that. Yeah, man. He was facing like 21 years. You know what I'm saying? convicted, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a um, armed robbery is a class X felony. And the minimum that you can get is, is six years, but they have these gun enhancements now. So if you commit a crime with a gun, you get a 15-year enhancement on top of your sentence. Shit. Are so, you serious? Yeah. So it, he'd have got, if he'd have got six years at the minimum plus his 15-year enhancement, he's, 21 he'd have 21 years. years to do it. So let's talk about how y'all select the people that y'all help. I'm pretty sure y'all come across thousands of letters on average like in a year. 
how do y'all select them? Like, what's the criteria? What do they have to meet? You I mean, what? I've read that you've read every letter that comes through the door. I mean, that's one of the things that I do. It come to me first to do the initial review and assessment. And you know, there's a there's a lot of different things that we that that we look for. Number one, um, if it's just a, a pure case of you know injustice, like with the Patrick case. Um, number two, um, it, if there's a, a lawyer at the firm that's looking to do a pro bono case on a certain subject matter, and they let me know, okay, I'm looking for this kind of case, okay. I'll make a note, okay, this is the type of case that this person is looking for. And, you know, we got to look at the the resources that we have as well. I mean, even though it's a it's a big firm, I mean, the, the firm still has to um make money. Make money. You How know? big is so, the firm? Um the I believe in the Chicago office we got about four hundred lawyers, I think. Wow. And um we we international, you know, New York, LA, DC Silicon Valley, San yeah, Fran. You yeah. traveling? You know, I, I don't travel as much as I used to because, um, you know, I'm a I'm a single father with with my son. My daughter lives with her mother, but uh, my son lives with me. Um, so I I don't travel like I, I used to when I first started at the firm. When I first started, I was you know all over. I was averaging being gone like six months out the year okay. on four to six week intervals. That's that's all right. But if you ever see a letter come through from me on your desk. It's gonna be pleased five thousand times, and man, I didn't do this shit. You, they, <laughs> they lying on me. I, they know I ain't do this shit. They just wanted me off the streets. I was for to make it big. Pop it, <laughs> please, Ken, please, five thousand times, please, right, I, please. I, I got you. No, Ho- hopefully just, that won't happen. No, no, it ain't that. gonna happen because I'm gonna tell everything I need to tell. Right, we gonna hold court right there in the, in the police car. Man, that was that nigga. It wasn't me. <laughs> Oh, this dumb ass don't do that shit. Um, my mama whooped my ass for going to jail when I was 11. I ain't been back. Whooped my ass for breaking windows with a stitching cord. Got me out the police station at 3.30 in the morning. Whooped my ass. Sent me to bed. Woke me up. Whooped my ass some more. Then sent me to school. I said, this going to jail shit too strenuous. <laughs> Fuck this. I ain't going back. Yo, yo. One thing, I, I you know, the adjustment. How long did it take for you to adjust? You were locked up for eight. Um, you came out worth of Catholic Charities, then got, got on Winston. But how long did it mentally take for you to adjust to life being life outside because you missed eight years? You know, with the, with the way that my life went when I immediately came home, I didn't have any time to adjust so to speak I had to jump right back into the responsibility role um as soon as I came home I was living with my mother my my mother had to um have bypass surgery right away you know so I'm at her house she in the hospital and I mean I had to get a job you know I had to help run our household you know and um on on top of that you know I had a a a couple of deaths with my one of my aunts and my uncle and then, you know, my, my father, you know, so it was a lot of stuff going on in the family. And, you know, it I, I didn't have no time to, uh, what was me? I had to get right back in the saddle. And, and you know what's crazy? Uh, not, not crazy, but what's special? But it's sad. You were there for those passings of your, of your loved ones instead of 
seeing, you know, receiving that news while you're on the inside. You know what I mean? And, and you know, Lord knows I wouldn't have been able to deal with it, yeah. you know, on the on the other side. Because you, cause you, you, you witnessed that too, like uh, people losing loved ones while they while they are, you know, incarcerated. And uh, what, what, what's that like, man? You, you know, I um I I did lose uh, one close family member while I was gone. You know, my um my, my uncle's wife, uh, Anita, she passed away, and um the 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 most hurtful thing for me was you know not being able to be there for for my mother, man. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's uh it's 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 real hard to put into words. You know? Yeah. We could tell. We could yeah, tell. yeah. The, the mentoring aspect now. How long you been doing that? I've been doing that since I came home. Um, what's your approach, or, or what's the, um, the age range? Yeah. Um, I, I work primarily right now with an organization called Purpose Over Pain. Purpose Over Pain is made up of uh, yeah. families who've lost children to gun violence. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. And we uh, we do a lot of work with. Uh, Father Mike at St. Sabina. Yeah. And um, our motto in the door is the 10 two-letter words. We want to let them know if it is to be, it is up to, to, to me. Be. You know, so <laughs> so many times, you know, you, you know, we our kids hear the opposite, what you can't do. Right. I ain't going to never tell you what you can't do. Right. I'm going to tell you what you can do. You know, and at, at the same time, we, uh, you know, all, all the people that's involved in the program, you know, is some of them have been down the, right, the wrong road, you know, and we uh, we like to use uh, one of our quotes from Muhammad Ali about, a, you know, a man who views the world the same at 50 as he as he did at 30 has wasted 20 years of his life. Yeah. You know, and we make it personal. You know, look, if you're 16 now, you don't look at the world the way you did when you was 12. Right. You know, and we we try to foster growth. You know, and we, you know, we keep it one hundred with them. You know, we let them know, look, man, we we from the hood just like y'all. But I still stay in the hood. I ain't moved out nowhere. You know, and um, just try to get them to you know realize the choices that they make. You know, want to let them know that the choices you make now could have a positive or negative effect on the rest of your life. You know. Yeah. Not just not just their lives, their family lives too. You yeah, know what I mean, because choices affect your family. Yeah, and you don't just hurt a one member of your family. Like you really, you you, you disappoint the disappointment, and and certain family members carries on for like like it can it can carry on to two or three, maybe even five or six people, man. And and you know. They don't want to deal with you, and they, they, it's really the disappointment factor of letting that person down because they really had you up here. You know what I mean? They really thought you were headed big places. So, is your mentoring like a preventative thing, or do you help with re- reentry into like the world once someone leaves prison? Yeah, I do. I do both. I do both. Because um, I think having someone when you come out is like a real big part of like your success, right? I think that you were so successful because you had that support system. And a lot of people come home and there's nobody. A lot of people be in jail and have nobody. That's true. So like does pain over purpose help with reentry or is it just Well, I mean purpose over pain is 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 primarily uh families who've lost children to gun violence. And um they 
our support a support network for uh, people who uh, unfortunately become a part of that that group and um, um, the the other the other organization that I work with is um, the Positive Anti Crime Thrust and um, it's a uh, retired police officer who's the CEO Howard Saffold and we do a lot of the the reentry work you know to help people when they uh, when they get home right now. And the world it moves so fast now. It's like so microwavable. You know what I mean? Like nothing really sticks too long because it's it's steady. I fast mean, this pace. is generation. We want it now. Give it to yeah, me. I and, want it now. And, and they, they they microwavable and they uh, think they have a sense of entitlement, yeah. which really pisses me the fuck off. Like my children think they are entitled. Like. My daughter is the main one. Like, she think she can't talk to me for two or three months and just call me and be like, I need $60. Oh, wow. the same thing. I'll be to the barbershop in three hours. I've been been knowing them for 19 years. We're going through the same thing with our daughters. Mine's just asked me for, you know, she doesn't call me at all unless she wants something. Got her hands back out. You know, begging for money. Right, right. That is not me with my dad. We have like such a but, great but, relationship. But, but see, like you, we you hang come out. from a different generation, yeah, and and way different generation. And 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 and, and you know, even, no matter how much they have a good influence, and, and part of it is, is our the parents' fault. They are socially media influence more so than uh, what you try to teach them. You know, I'm a lame. I'm 46 years old, but I'm right. a lame. Right. I don't know no better. I just like Heineken's and I like Patron, and I think I'm funny. And I always got this money though. <laughs> I don't call your mama ass up for no money. Right. I go you to know, work every day. Yeah, but but you know, I, you know, you try to come at them at an angle like, sweetheart, I know exactly what's going on. You know, I I, I see you got your belly pierced. So like somebody has to see that, right? I so see you got a tattoo on your breast of your boyfriend, but he has no money. Uh, you know, you know certain things like that. You hit him with that, then they get the and all that. You, yeah, and that, and that makes wanna, you they don't want to hear shit at all. And, and that makes you almost get an attack. Moment, like, what's wrong with you? Now your feelings hurt. I think how I feel like I'm about to reach in my pocket and give you some money. But you and know I've when he got this nigga name tattooed <laughs> on your teeth. Yeah. Or you laying up with this guy. You laying up with this guy, but you asking me for forty dollars. And yeah. that is. So disrespectful. Laying up with a guy, I would never do that to my you, dad. You laying up with a guy that's that's you know you know that's a felon, not educated, has a, doesn't want to, and you asking me for money doesn't want to try to get himself better, and you asking me for money. And this guy has a the only thing this guy has agreement with is with books. And, uh, books don't like him, and he don't like books, so they stay <laughs> oh away from goodness. each other. <laughs> <laughs> um. Stop. Go ahead, stop. Yeah, you use the bathroom? Okay. Yeah, I was asking for a restroom break real quick. Straight up the stairs. Straight up the stairs. All right. We got eight minutes. All right, cool. We got eight minutes. And then we're going to be out. You doing six brown chicks? Of course. Come on, let's get it. Uh, 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 Hold on. The kids still here? Oh, they gone. Oh, they gone? Okay. I was wondering why you guys so relaxed. Uh, hopefully, these good questions and not them catfish-ass questions they be posting. You ready? Are we gonna, you want to wait for him? Or, or no, what? we can. Let's go. Yeah. Okay, he don't want to hear that. It's a good man. Okay, here we go. Baby father told me he plans to marry his girlfriend. We're not together, but she's mean to my son. Calls him N-word. Advice. 
Oh, he, the 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 lady he's about to marry calls her son the nigga. Yeah. Go get your son. Go get your son. I think that we all would have to sit down and have like a real serious conversation because I don't care who you marry, but this bitch needs to be respecting what's mad. Is she white? I don't know. Go, go now to, that sounds like a real question too. Go to the wedding and take a knee like capping it. Fuck it. Protest it. Here we go. He asked for freaky. I gave him threesomes. Did him anytime, anywhere. Guess what? He says I'm not wife material. Advice. Start with you. You gave the wrong motherfucker a threesome. Because you're supposed to give it to your husband. You don't give it to some random dude you boning. <laughs> like, seriously? Magic. The thrill is gone. Magic. I, 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 I reverse it because I don't think he's supposed to have a threesome with your husband. That make him go back the other way. Go park it and let somebody else get garage. So I mean, it, it, to each his own. I, I wouldn't. Uh, uh, that's that's a very touchy situation, there, man. Like any and everywhere. Like shit, he probably got addicted to the threesomes. He probably don't want to get married. He addicted to that shit. No, he just wants somebody that ain't been around the block that many times before. At Magic Mike Thirty Two <laughs> on Twitter. Hit <laughs> me. Um, see what we do. Just to catch you up while you were gone for a brief second. We do this thing called Six Brown Chicks where we answer relationship questions that get asked <laughs> anonymously by certain people. Okay. So be prepared to <laughs> to laugh. Okay? All right? And give some advice if you want to. It's on you. Here we go, Magic Mike. Ken Delcia. Engineering Phil. Need a kind way to tell my wife about her poor hygiene habits. Her smelly feet makes me want to sleep on the couch. Magic. Just sprinkle them down with Dr. Shows every night. <laughs> <laughs> and about the fourth night, she should get get a, get a hit. <laughs> Even, I'm catching the Holy Ghost flower. <laughs> it's my dream. My but feet wet every She don't shower before she get in the bed? I mean, because if he can smell her feet, she definitely has to smell them. And it might be something internal. Like, he might need to be bad. You need to go to the doctor. You might have some kind of fungus. Yeah. Like, because your feet really stink. Put some garlic I on swear. her feet. <laughs> <laughs> if someone else can smell it, you have to smell it. Give There's no way in the world. Get that pedicure. Yeah. That's I mean. what I'm saying. Like, just no. <laughs> what kind of shoes she wear? Like, if she, <laughs> exactly. she wear the open toe sandals, he married a runner. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> he shouldn't be afraid, though. Like, he should be yeah. able to come straight. Your feet, they stink. Here we go, Ken. This one's for you. You can give me give me a straight answer all you want, okay? All right. My friend dated my, t my dude two years ago. Why is she mad that I'm pregnant by him? I expected her support. This is my first baby. Mm. Was there a question in that? <laughs> <laughs> Why is she mad that I'm pregnant by him? What's, what's that, that that phrase that the young folks use? She just ratchet, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just a messy situation. It, ain't, it is what messy. it is at that point. Now, yeah, that's messy. Yeah, that's she messy. dated him two years ago. That's still kind of relevant. No, what's the expiration date on? on when I you feel like in the if, in the bed with somebody. 
What's the expiration date? Answer the question. Well, what's the expiration time period? I'm feeling like if he was my high school boyfriend and we in our 30s now and you dating him, knock yourself out because that was a long, that was I was somebody else then. Now I'm somebody different. Like that person doesn't exist anymore. So I'm glad roll you brought that up. It. Shout out to the, to the viral video from for the Thornwood class of 2007. <laughs> they were having sex. It was a couple that was having sex at the. Um, the high school that, reunion outside. The in high rain. school reunion was on Snapchat. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the video? Like Everybody how you said, just no, have sex outside it. when it's raining. Yeah. This wasn't outside. This was this was in front of in in the hall or whatever, in front of the signs and stuff like that. She said they said she's not having she's having sex with her, that it's not her man. Of course, you know the guy went wrong. In ten front, years later, ten year reunion. Like like, like goddammit. it! And so at their twenty year reunion, they have a ten year old kid. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Either or. Um, no, prom dates, high school sweethearts is all off date, off, off limits. They, no, they I don't think expire. that they are because like 10, 15 years passes. Are you really still hung up on the fact that that was your high school boyfriend? G- girl, if you do not find a hobby somewhere, n- make a quilt, build, cry river, build a bridge, get over it. But two years is still kind of relevant because would I smash my ex-boyfriend from two years ago? Probably I would because it was some really great fucking sex. And if one of my friends ended up pregnant by ain't no telling. We've already talked about me and my cocktail Best pussy to ever pee. (laughs) Mom has raised my three kids because I'm unfit. I'm pregnant again. She's refused to raise this one. I want them raised together. Help. She shouldn't go Get to Ron out shit together. Yeah, we should send Governor Ron out there to her house and cut that link card off for her grandma, for her mama and her. What's like, wrong get with her? your shit together. <laughs> Help. Yeah, mentally. She, she, she just be on Twitter just asking shit. You need, you need your tubes tied. You need to have a... Uh, uh, Four rubbers on while you fucking bombs. Crazy motherfucker. Sit right in. Take it. Ask a question. Take us home, Magic Mike. Mama, every day you away from us is another day you're getting closer to seeing you again when we're free. Ken, you said something earlier. That's y'all slogan. I say it all the time. I got that from George Ravelin. I listened to the tape back in the days in 84 with my boy Ben Wilson before he was killed. If it is to be, it's to be up to me. So that's what I'm saying. I say that all the time. That's why it was my, so important for me to get it tonight. So I got a lot out of you. I appreciate you. Keep helping these people get free, man, uh, because uh, I'm, I'm in a situation now. And I said, my mom, that's my daughter, and she's locked up. You know what I'm saying? For a situation she got caught up in with her, with her boyfriend. So I understand what you what you're going through, and they was talking about the gun specs and all this, and then you know, we we gonna I'm gonna go into it in depth when she's free. But uh, ladies, do one thing, man. Uh, start taking care of your personal hygiene. We're coming to the end of the summer, and uh, everybody get booed up. So uh, let you, let let men know if you 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 flowing heavy, how you smell for real. And quit tricking motherfuckers with all this bullshit ass hair. Go outside one day without your hair in your head, and let let them know you know. Shit is all right, all right? Matter of fact, just stop with the whole Bobby V shit. Straight yeah, up. Bobby V, yeah. Did you see what she was calling him? Bobby. 
Bobby, like Whitney was calling Bobby Bobby Brown. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ken, I very much appreciate your, your story. I want to say thank you for coming on to the Reason Why News podcast. Um, I learned a lot. Shout out to Delcia. Um, thank you. Delcia got her feet out too, y'all. And then she got 10 toes. <laughs> How many should I? <laughs> I mean, I've been seeing women with, like, they don't have them baby toes painted. Uh, so mine they, definitely they, are. They Anything you want to say in, in, in before we end up? I mean, first of all, I, I, I definitely want to thank both you brothers for for inviting me and, and Delcia for, you know, putting all this together. And, um, you know, for, for all of you guys personally, if there's anything I can do to help you going forward, feel free to, you know, holler at me. You know, it's um. Delcia asked me if you know there was any questions that was off limits or anything like that, and I told her no because I'm like, you know, if 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 somebody can use anything that I done been through, yeah, to help them to you know keep on keeping on or you know something, then you know everything I went through wasn't in vain. You know what I'm saying? And I'm I'm just trying to do you know, my best to make our people better, man, because we need to do better, man. We got too many people, you know, dying in the streets and dying every day in these prisons, and, you know, we just need to, to, to do things better, man. Yeah, these kids look at, these kids look at now, look at jail as a badge of honor. Like, you know, like what Wayne said, I do, I get out, I murk you, do 20, get, I be 24, get out when I'm 44 or whatever the, the line was. Yeah. They like they look at that as a badge of honor. It's, it's not. Uh, not not even close. And, the, and the, the things that they don't, that they don't realize is that, you know, yeah, you may think you're going to go and do a, a small bit, but man, with the way this gun violence is and all these laws on these guns, you may think you're going to go for a couple of years and you really going to do that 20 or 30. Yeah, you know, and you're gonna come back, and it's gonna be a whole different world. I appreciate you, Delcy. I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you too. Um, coming on the show to, and I'm quite sure Kenneth Jinx appreciates you. Reasonable Ignorance Podcast now on iTunes, now on SoundCloud. Download, subscribe, review, leave a comment, share. Bombs.